Joe Biden's approval rating just keeps getting worse, but he remains completely out of touch. So don't expect him to get better. A little girl in Florida knows how to protest and gets results. The FBI gets hacked again. And China complete, completes their yearly plenum and makes some massive changes. What's that? What's a plenum? Uh, let's talk about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Um, I had a good weekend. I watched a lot of football this weekend. And, you know, I got to tell you, there are some things that football does that really annoys the hell out of me. Um, the first is the usage of words that don't actually exist. I don't know if this bothers anyone else or if anyone else has actually caught this stuff. But words like physicality, that's not a word. There's no such thing as physical physicality. I actually wanted to look this one up just to make sure there's no such word as physicality. It was used in a title of a book that was written in a different language. So technically, no, there's no word called physicality. You can look it up in the dictionary. This is another word that came around. And I know this word is because the guy couldn't say trickery. Trickery can be a difficult word to say, but trickeration. What? I, oh, there's some trickeration. I, they pulled some trickeration out there. No, it's trickery. And I know the guy who came up with this word, his name's Booger McFarland. He was the first time I actually heard that word, trickeration. It's because he probably couldn't pronounce trickery. He doesn't sound like he's all that lingually gifted, I shall say. But, you know, the changing of the language is what drives me nuts. You know, there is no, his physicality is awesome. No, he's he's a very physical player. That's how you that's how you say it. And no, they didn't pull trickeration out of the hat. They pulled trickery out of their hat. It just kind of annoys me. And then now that we're talking about it, you know what else annoys me? Is watching football uh, pregame shows. You know, especially on Fox. Fox has football pregame shows, and they've got all these guys, like 17 of them or something, standing on a fake football stage. It looks like a football stadium, but it's actually just a stage. And they're outside, and everyone's clapping and crap like that. And do you notice something about those 84 guys that are sitting out there, each getting a word in about football? And they're all former football players, except the five foot two guy in the middle that's actually moderating the show. It's that none of those guys can hold still. They're always rocking back and forth, and they just they never hold still. They all look like they're on cocaine and they're just they're just so nervous or meth or something. And they just don't hold still. I mean, if I were a cameraman, I think I'd go absolutely crazy if I ever had to give these guys a close-up. Because you could never keep them in frame. Because they're always moving back and forth. And always moving. And all of them are doing it at the same time. And they're all moving in different directions. It's insane. I, I feel my blood pressure rising and getting nervous just watching these guys. This is why I think a lot of people start drinking beer right before the football game. And I live in the West Coast, so that's early. That's like 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. 
It's because they're watching them and they're getting nervous and they need something to medicate themselves, to bring them down a little bit. But anyway, that's what I just thought this weekend. I thought I'd bring it up. So let's get to the news. Uh, Joe Biden's polls, yeah, um, they're dropping like a rock. And the Biden administration just continues to show how disconnected they are from, from people. Uh, they seem to have no idea what they're doing. They continue to want to screw the country and change absolutely everything. Prices are going through the roof, yet they continue to want to pump more money into the economy. I'm, I'm reading a book about economics uh, by Dave, Dave Bronham, Bonin, B-A-H-N-O-M. I'll, I'll have to look at it. And one of the things he said is that, and I haven't read the book yet, I just I learned about it today, is that there's a formula. It's the n amount of money that you put into an economy plus how fast you put it into an economy equals the amount of inflation you end up having. And we just keep putting money into this. I mean, this infrastructure deal, $1.2 trillion, which will end up being about $2 trillion. I, now we're dumping more money into the economy. And by the way, the infrastructure, last I heard, it was only... 200 billion that was going to actual infrastructure. Everything else is going to climate change and all that crap out there. But they just continue to do it. Well, there's some more bad news for the Biden administration that they can, you know, they will ignore. Uh, the Democrats are going to have a hard time ignoring this news since 2022 is right around the corner. And they are looking at losing between 40 and 70 seats in the House. And we won't even talk about what's going to happen in the Senate. They've got a bunch of House representatives who are Democrats that are not even going to run in the House. And there are a couple of, of House senators that have decided, I'm just going to pull out and not run at all. So let's talk about his poll numbers. This poll came, you, you know right off the bat, you're doing, you're in trouble when the Washington Post, USA Today, and ABC are telling you things are looking really bad. I mean, if this came from the Washington, if this came from uh, the Wall Street Journal or from Fox News, I'd say, okay, well, let's let's take that a little bit with a grain of salt. But this is this poll came from the Washington Post and ABC, and they are very friendly to Joe Biden. Well, um, his approval rating right now is at fifty-four percent approve, a uh, dis disapprove of him, and forty percent approve of how Joe Biden is doing in uh, the White House. That, that not good. Not good at all. On the economy, 55% disapprove and 39% approve. And on the China virus, he's doing better. 47% approve and 49% disapprove. Now, here's the kicker. What we all learned about this whole thing is that he's not doing a good, he's underwater everywhere. And people are actually paying attention. Whereas in other polls, you'd have 10, 15% have no opinion. It's now less than 6% of the people don't have an opinion about the economy, the way President Biden is running things, and the China virus. This is probably a part of the problem with so many people voting in 2020 that Biden probably didn't expect, is that people are now really going to be watching. And the plus minus on that is, by the way, 3.5%. If you want to see the, the entire poll, it's about 
40 pages. It's on, uh, go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, and I've actually got the uh, the poll out there. Uh, many supported his infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better bill. I'm not sure why that is. My thought is when they were presenting this stuff, they were presenting it as, because how these, these polls work is how they're presenting. It's not the total amount of the bills, but it's actually some of the things that are in the bills. So, for example, they may say, what do you think about the Build Back Better bill? And people say, well, I don't know much about, well, it expands this, it expands that, it expands that, it expands that. There's a very good chance they, they tell them what's in the bill, and people like individual parts of the bills. But if they're told, well, yeah, this is going to cost between 2 and $5 trillion, they may sit back and say, no. Fox News does this a lot. The Wall Street Journal does this. How do you feel about this $2 trillion bill? And they'll say, I don't know anything about it. And they go, so you have no opinion. But some of the more left-wing outlets will actually manipulate it a little better. What's far worse for Bi- for Biden is that he actually has a lower approval rating by almost six points than Donald Trump had at the same time in his administration. That is absolutely incredible. This is really bad news for Democrats, especially coming next year. And tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, uh, how the Democrats are going to handle this because I just got an article today on, on how they're looking at dealing with this. But what's worse, I think, the polls do not represent the dislike of the people have for Joe Biden. I mean, just not even about his politics, that they actually just don't like the guy. Um, since football season has started, chance of F Joe Biden has been just going throughout stadiums. And we're not talking just in stadiums in the South where they are more embracing of Republicans anyway. We're talking... This is stuff going around in Virginia. This is stuff going around in New Jersey, in California, in um, uh, even in liberal cities like Houston and Atlanta. This this deal has come about, and of course, then it converted to this. Let's go, Brandon. After that reporter on hearing the F. Joe Biden chant said, oh, no, 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 they're not saying that. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. You remember the story. I've told it a billion times. That's worse, as far as I'm concerned, than F. Joe Biden. And the reason I think that's worse for Joe Biden is it makes him into a national freaking joke. He's not even disliked. People don't even dislike him. They start chanting, let's go, Brandon, just to make fun of both the media and the and the Biden administration. I mean, for Christ's sake, I have two shirts that say, let's go, Brandon. I wore it by accident to the casino last weekend. That was an accident, by the way. I didn't mean to, because I don't like to stir controversy when I'm with Josie. And I don't go to a casino by myself. And I got complimented on the shirt. No one said a word about the shirt in a negative light. It was only positive things about the shirt. So that's, that's incredible. Joe Biden has become a national joke. He's a quip. He's a snicker. No one takes this guy serious. And how do they respond to this? Because you gotta, you got to believe that the Biden administration has to know what's going on here. They have to know that they're becoming a national joke. 
Well, let's listen to Jen Psaki. She had an answer for it on Friday. Just one last question, if I can, quickly. Across this country, we've seen this new phenomenon lately. Shannon at sporting events and on signs. The phrase is, let's go Brandon. It's sort of code for a profane slogan attacking President Biden. What does the president make of that? I don't think he spends much time focused on it or thinking about it. The president said when he came into office on Inauguration Day, he said he was going to help get rid of the uncivil war in this country. So I guess through that lens right now, does the president think there are things that he can do differently, or how does he react to the stuff he sees out there when it is one of his primary promises or desires to help bring Americans together? Well, it takes two to move towards a more civil engagement discourse in this country, and the president's going to continue to operate, uh, as you said, uh, from the promise he made early on which is that he wants to govern for all Americans. He's going to deliver for all Americans, as is evidenced by the infrastructure bill that he's going to sign uh, on Monday. That's going to help expand broadband to everyone, no matter your political party, no matter whether you voted for him or not. That's going to replace lead, uh, lead pipes, make sure kids have clean drinking water, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or not political at all. That's how he's going to govern, and certainly we're hopeful we'll have uh, partners to uh, move toward more civil discourse with in the future. What a crappy answer. You know what's funnier than that crappy answer is the way the reporter actually formulated the question. It's not that Joe Biden is unpopular and a national joke. It's that Republicans are attacking him on this. You know, here's the thing. They're not, uh, people are not, it's not Republicans. As a matter of fact, we're looking at polls and we see independents don't like Biden. So it's not just, and Democrats are liking Biden less and less. Biden's poll numbers with Democrats are down to 30% approval. And they were at 90 some odd percent approval rating for, for him in the beginning of the year. So, and they're not attacking. They're making fun of him. They see him as a joke. Joe Biden has hardly been any unifying force. He just said last week that people are too stupid to understand the supply chain crisis. He said, we don't understand or we get confused. We serfs don't understand the supply chain issues, huh? I understand there are 50 boats sitting outside uh, of um, San Pedro waiting to get in. I understand that no one's driving that stuff into the, uh, to their stores. We don't understand why rising prices are good we don't understand why rising prices are good for us that's what the media is telling us right now we don't understand why paying five dollars a gas a gallon for gas is bad for us we don't understand that closing the xl pipeline and now they want to close the l1 l5 pipeline might raise gas prices we don't get any of that we don't get that we don't want the economy overturned that we like the economy the way it is. A lot of parents don't want critical race theory or critical gender theory because we don't understand. It's always us being stupid for not liking what they're doing. It's not that, okay, maybe they don't like what we're doing and for good reason. People just don't like Joe Biden. They're, show, they're showing it through their actions at the stadiums. They show it in the polls. They showed it off in the off-year elections two weeks ago in Virginia and in New Jersey and in California and in Washington because this stuff is all over the place. Is he learning anything? Is he going to stop pushing these radical policies 
Absolutely not. He has no. He has no. Uh, he has no chance of doing it. Jen Psaki was asked again about inflation, and what does she do? Does she say is is Biden going to change course? No, no, no. Here, here's Jen Psaki's, uh, well, the president's stance on how he's going to correct inflation. I'm just kind of taking a step back. There's some Republicans who have taken this moment where they've seen gas prices spike to criticize the administration big picture, right? Canceling Keystone Pipeline, halting leases for new drilling leases on federal land, saying that sort of the administration's policies writ large have contributed to the rise in gas prices. What's your response now to that? Uh, our response is that uh, one, we haven't ex- we haven't canceled existing uh, the ex- their existing leases that are continuing. A just to be clear, I know so you know not that new not new leases, but just to be clear, I know that's been a criticism. So that's why I said that, not an accurate one. Look, our view is that the rise in gas prices over the long term makes an even stronger case for doubling down our investment and our focus on clean energy options. So that's it. That's a good idea. First off, I, I, I love these reporters. I, I just laugh at these questions. It's not that Biden's responsible for the crisis, but it's always Republicans are attacking Biden. It's like Republicans pounce all the time. You hear this in every podcast is Republicans are always pouncing on Biden. Poor Biden. Okay, so they are planning to cancel contracts with Can- the, with Canada on the Line 5 pipeline. This is something, and I'll go, I'll go a step further. They're going to do it. They may not do it before the 2022 elections. But after 2022, because Biden's not running again, I don't know who's going to run. The, Kamala Harris's approval ratings continue to fall. She may hit zero before the end of this term. But they will close the pipeline. When he's a lame duck president in 2022, he will cancel all the pipelines. I guarantee it's going to happen. But it will be after the midterms because he knows this is not going to be popular. And people are not going to be happy. So be prepared. It will be closed. I'm calling it right now. And here's here's where she doubles down. Exactly how is spending two putting two to four trillion dollars going to lower the gas prices on the pumps? How is this Build Back Better garbage going to lower inflation? All you're doing is dumping more money into an economy that already has too much money in the economy and not enough product. We don't need to to actually keep dumping money into the economy. This is what's causing the inflation. And not to mention, raising taxes is going to... Do what now? You're going to sit there and raise the corporate tax almost 10 points? Raise money on the rich? Tax unrealized gains? And that's going to improve the economy how? When the innovators sit back and say, hey, I'm not, we're not going to do this. I'm not going to lose money because you guys have decided to, I'm just going to move outside the country. That's Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. That's exactly what she said would happen if we did this. The people hate the rich so much. The rich say, okay, fine, we're just going to leave. And then where are we? We're China. There is nothing in that bill but spending. Nothing in that bill that's going to fix the economy. Nothing in the Build Back Better bill that's going to lower inflation or lower energy prices. In fact, it's just going to raise them. I mean, most of that bill is about climate. 
Here's the catch. Everyone with half a mind knows this. You're not fixing the economy with too much money by adding more money. He just keeps doing the same thing. And then he continues to be radical. He has this horrid selection. He's selected for Treasury Secretary a flat-out communist. She wants to nationalize the means of production. She wants to nationalize the banks. This gal, Saul Omarova, got her education from the University of Moscow, for Christ's sake. That's not a joke. She has no business being ahead of anything in a capitalist society. Well, this is what she said last week. And I, 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 heard, I can't believe this woman is actually saying this on live television. Listen to what she said. Imagine what would it be like if instead of being just a public option for deposit uh, banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there will be no more private uh, bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts will be held directly at the Fed. And there are very interesting implications uh, from that thought experiment, for example, with uh, the much more uh, direct and proactive tools of monetary policy, like helicopter money, which is, uh, you know, considered radical, primarily because uh, economists really do not know how to manage the issue of what will happen uh, in the inflationary environment when the central bank needs to contract the supply of money. How is it possible? politically feasible for the central bank to effectively take money away from uh, people's accounts. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let the federal government handle all the bank accounts. No more Wells Fargo, Bank of America, or credit unions. The federal government will do it. That's a good idea because the federal government has shown us, especially in the last two years, that they have the ability and knowledge to wisely invest and work with our money. By the way, this has been tried before. Lots of times, they, they nationalized banks in the Soviet Union, Cuba, China, North Korea, Vietnam, Nazi Germany, Venezuela, fascist Italy, all those countries, and many more nationalized their banks. How'd that work out? Not great. Those countries ended up stealing the money of the depositors when, they, when the government wanted it or needed it. My grandparents escaped Nazi Germany. I told you the story before but I'm not going to go over it again. But they never trusted banks because of what Nazi Germany did when they nationalized them. Up until the day my grandparents died, they put their money under a mattress or in a safe. That's because the Nazis took all their money and told them there's not a dang thing they can do about it. Why aren't government officials like this Omarova worried about this? Because they're the ones that are in control of the money. They're the Stalins, the Maos, and the Hitlers. Their money will be fine. In fact, they will enrich yourself with your money. That's how governments work. But it's got to make someone wonder, got to make people wonder, why would Joe Biden no nominate such a polarizing figure that is a trained communist from a communist-run college to run a, the banking system as the Treasury Secretary that she detests? Is this more of that unity that Jen Psaki was talking about? incredible. All right, this is an awesome story, and we should learn about this one. Ron DeSantis issued a mandate that banned all mask mandates for kids in school. One school district in Palm Beach 
a very liberal part of Florida ignored the mandate and forced the children to wear masks. Well, there was this eight-year-old girl named Fiona Lachelles who did not want to wear a mask. And her parents said, well, it's fine. I, we agree with you. They didn't, for, they didn't force her to wear a mask to school, her parents. She was suspended an astonishingly, astonishing amount of times, 38 times in a two-month period, 38 times. She ended up becoming the poster child for fighting mask mandates for children. When Fiona first went to school maskless, she was forced to eat lunch alone in a hallway in the administrator's office. She was hit with schools in, in school suspensions and out of school suspensions. She missed nearly two months of school and was forced to do her schoolwork alone, without teachers, without any students. Folks, that's how you protest. That's how you fight tyranny. You just say no. And we're going to face this in California, especially. Children are being forced to wear masks and be vaccinated. My fiancé is facing that decision right now. She doesn't want her daughter, her 15-year-old daughter to get the shot. And I don't blame her. There's talks about vaccinating, vaccinating five-year-olds now, making it a mandate, forcing it. Are you comfortable with that? I wouldn't be. They're even talking about needing a booster every three to six months and mandating that, or you lose your job. Are you comfortable with taking an untested vaccine every six months for a disease that probably won't do anything to you? By the way, no other country is doing this. Most countries in Europe said they will not require vaccines for anyone under the age of 30 because they doubt the effectiveness of the vaccine and they've looked at the statistics and found that, you know, um, the danger just doesn't overwhelm the benefits of the vaccine. They also worry about the impact that these vaccines are going to have on children since there are no studies on it. Well, Fiona, good for you and good for your parents. That's the way to stand up to the man. Okay, by the way, until we, we before we get to the good the the most important part of the podcast. Uh, yeah, the FBI had something like 100,000 email accounts hacked. Uh, and apparently bots are sending out emails from these hacked email accounts. This is from the FBI. So if you get anything from uh, FBI.gov, take it with a grain of salt. Don't panic. You're probably not going to prison. I guess because we've ignored 50 cases of hacking against the federal government, we thought maybe it'd just go away. I mean, some of the hacks were serious enough to take down business, oil business, energy business. These guys are just hacking left and right. No one's doing about it. No one cares. So the FBI shut down their email services until they could figure out how to uh, how to fix the problem. And by the way, yeah, why do they always go after like the FBI or something? Go after the IRS. I'd like to be able to ignore a couple of emails from the IRS. Okay, this is kind of an important story. I read it this weekend. It was an opinion piece from the Wall Street Journal. And um, it's called Xi Jinping Thought Makes China a Tougher Adversary by Kevin Rudd. And this is a great story. Now, you, you probably know from me that I don't like China. 
Um, I think that people don't really have an understanding of China, including me, their intentions, and the tyranny of Xi Jinping. You've heard me talk about their weak economy, the poverty, the lack of energy for the citizens, their need to steal technology to innovate anything, and the fact that they have concentration camps and are killing Muslim Uyghurs. I don't think I mentioned that enough. I'll even go that far. And then I don't think I mentioned something else that nobody seems to mention. I mean, we're still blaming Trump on the China virus, but either through incompetence or on purpose, they engineered and released the most dangerous virus since the Spanish flu in the early 1900s. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you in a previous podcast. I should have said it then. That they had a conference with six about six months ago with other Marxist communist regimes throughout the world where Xi said that their, that their communist ideology needs to be spread throughout the world, especially in the West. Now, it wasn't policy at that point. Guess what? It's policy now. And by the way, Xi is the dictator of China. He is president for life. And he was declared president for life about two years ago. And this is always the, the result of communism and socialism. You will end up with a dictator. Every communist and socialist regime has ended up that way. And any socialist listening to this, I'm sure there aren't a lot, prove me wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. So China, about a week and a half ago, completed their um, yearly plenum. I don't know what a plenum is. That's okay. I didn't know either until I read the piece. Rudd gave a description of it uh, and its consequences. And I'm not going to read the entire article, just these two paragraphs. Here's his description. Quote, annual plenums are are the mechanism through which the 95 million member party defines the parameters of official ideology, political discourse, and policy direction. But this plenum in China was different. It's the first time since the era of Deng Xiaoping that the party has produced a formal resolution on party history, which now officially defines Mr. Xi's political position within the Chinese Communist pantheon. There have all only been three such re- resolutions in the party's 100-year history, and they are always major, epic-defining events. With the resolution, the party has elevated Mr. Xi and quote, Xi Jinping thought, end quote, to a status that puts them beyond critique. Because both are now entrenched as objective historical truth, to criticize Mr. Xi is to attack the party and even China itself. Mr. Xi has rendered himself, rendered himself politically untouchable. So guess who's president for life? According to Rudd, uh, the declaration, the uh, Uh, plenum has five major consequences. This is important for all of us because it will determine how much China will actually dig their heels against West and Western civilization because they don't believe in Western civilization. And this is going to be very important when a Republican president in Congress who decide to actually go after China, unlike this administration here and Congress here. And we're so worried about whether a man can be a woman in this country China is China actually uses that against us. We'll get to that. So first, this places the Xi administration as a modern-day dynasty, 
which the Chinese love to do. They like to put their, they like to make sections of history into most the most important parts of history in the Chinese history. Okay, there have been only three modern dynasties according to Rudd. Mao, which set up the political in- infrastructure, which was communism, totalitarianism. He did not worry about anything outside of communist control. Dan- I mean, he killed between 70 and 100 million people. So we know he wasn't worried about that. He had major... Mao had major problems with uh, uh, famine. Just millions of people died. Hundred, uh, tens of millions of people died. Then there was Deng, who set up the current economic system, which nationalized Chinese companies. So the government still controlled nationalized, uh, uh, still controlled Chinese companies such as energy production, things like that. The com- the the country still controlled that, but they opened their economy to outside companies, companies from other countries like Nike and Apple. Uh, specifically for manufacturing and then they opened companies like mcdonald's and burger king for civil consumption so mcdonald's could open a store in china and the chinese can buy uh they can buy american products now by the way those companies were still put under a fascistic policy all right they still had to answer to the united states they still had to answer the chinese government so apple which is scary if you think about it because Apple has to actually give some of their technology and has to tell China what they're going to do. Xi believes his administration is historic because he has embraced this hybrid government of the previous Mao and Deng dynasties. And his fantastic government should now delve into the world and spread China's wisdom to the rest of the world. By the way, does this sound familiar? Didn't the Soviet Union do the same thing throughout Eastern Asia? They did. They took over Eastern Asia because they figured we've got such a great government that we'll take over East Germany and Hungary and Austria and all of those countries, the satellite countries, Yugoslavia, Romania. They did exactly that. They tried to do it with Afghanistan. The second portion is that it cements Xi as president for life. He's done. Rudd said, quote, core of party leadership and emphasizes that this is of, quote, decisive significance, end quote. He called this the cult of personality, which makes Xi, makes Xi the core of Chinese civilization. It's not China as a civilization. Xi is the Chinese civilization. This is also very common in communist countries. Uh, it happened in North Korea with the Kim family. It happened with the Soviet Union with Lenin and Stalin. It happened in Cuba with Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. These people are not seen as leaders of their countries. They're seen as gods. They're seen as beyond countries. This is this is this type. This seeing yourself as a god is where you have justification for tyranny, for control of the people. This is also why religion must be killed in communist countries, because the government must be seen as God. And eventually, the leader will declare himself a God. Look at Kim. Kim is seen as holy in North Korea. 
That's why when leaders die, they're not just buried. They're usually encased in glass and kept in state for eternity. Look at Lenin. Look at Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. Now, you can still view Hugo Chavez's body in Venezuela. He's been dead for 10 years now, 15 years. Uh, Lenin, well, when the Soviet Union fell, they buried him. But this is, this is seen, they're seen as God. And this justifies um, putting down political opponents who don't agree with his policies. You are arguing with a deity. You are saying that a deity is wrong. That's why those people who go against the policy of China are put down. Why people who go against the policies in North Korea are put down. They're killed. Missiles are shot at them. Things like that. Dogs tear them apart. And it also means there's no oversight anymore. Xi is making the policy. Xi determines the policy. And that's it. There can be no argument. There's no oversight. The third, the third detail here, Red explains really well here. Quote, third, to buttress Mr. Xi's leadership claims, the resolution asserts that Xi Jinping thought, and that's it's called Xi Jinping thought, is, quote, the Marxism of contemporary China for the 21st century, a new breakthrough in adapting Marxism that plays a guiding role for the new era, end quote. Marxism has become something called Xi Jinping thought. Basically, this is a new Marxist philosophy. It's actually, and to tell you the truth, it's not a new Marxist philosophy. It really isn't. Uh, that's where fascism came into play. This was most famously done by Vlad Lenin of the Soviet Union and the adoption of Leninism. Mar See, now what do I mean by that? Marxism believed that communism would naturally occur in capitalist societies because the dissatisfaction of the workers at being exploded by the bourgeois or business ownership would cause a rebellion and actually communism would just become the rule of law instead because the people are sick of, of capitalism. They're tired of being, quote, exploited, end quote. The problem with Marxism, the failure of Marxism, is that this never happened. In capitalist society, like in West Germany or in the United States, capitalism never fell. And we can see now, the, a lot of people will say, well, the polarization today is an example of that. That's not true. That's, that's not true. The polarization is through identity politics, political correctness, and things like that. So it's by people, the people who are protesting, the people who are rioting, are, do not understand what true socialism actually is. And I know this because I've, I've talked to true socialists who believe socialism is the only way to go, and I ask them questions, and they can't, they can't answer any of their questions. So they really don't understand the philosophy. Xi Jinping thought, and I put that in air quotes because it is an actual philosophy, believes that they have altered Marxism again into a new philosophy, a combination of communism, which is the natural, natural, nationalization of Chinese infrastructure and the opening of the economy to outside business to enhance their economy, albeit under a fascist hand of the government. Now, 
again, I think this has been done before. Uh, Nazi Germany did this, and it didn't have a great effect. It actually hurt their economy. And Italy did this under, uh, under Mussolini. Uh, one of the reasons Hitler embraced fascism and nationalism was because he found that fascism would work worked better in Italy than completely socializing everything in Germany. I, that is a thing. It is a happen. It, it it does happen. Okay, the fourth reason is an interesting one. This plenum takes the economy, politics, and infrastructure to the left, meaning that the government will have more control than they ever had before. This is going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with American companies, especially technology companies like Apple or Google that do work in China. They already have to report to the Chinese government any technology that they want to implement and sell. That's scary enough for all you iPhone users because the Chinese government probably knows more about your iPhone than the United States government does. And that's because Apple decides to give them that technology because they have to in order to produce iPhones in China at $2 a week to their employees. But does this give the government the right to actually take over those countries? To nationalize American companies that have decided to manufacture their products in China? That sounds like a far-out question but it's not. Hugo Chavez did do this in Venezuela when he declared that this is a socialist society. Remember the energy companies, which were run by American companies, they all had to leave Venezuela because Venezuela said, Chevron, you are now uh, nationalized. You are now part of the Venezuelan government. And they had to leave. So I don't think it's that it's that hard to believe that that could happen. But what this plenum does is bring Chinese nationalism to the right. In other words, we people should be prouder of China as an individual state. So they're going to mix more tyranny with pushing pride on citizens. Now, of course, that's not going to work. People, as they're starving and they're, uh, they're, they're, the thumb is being pushed on them, are not going to have more Chinese nationalism. But that's what they're trying to do. This justifies bringing the China Chinese back together again. This is scary for all parts of Asia, especially Taiwan. And we can see that's what they're doing. China calls Taiwan, even though they are an independent state, they call them part of China. They're part of the Chinese mainland, and that's why they're threatening them, and they've justified it. That's why China took over Hong Kong, because Hong Kong is part of the Chinese main, mainland as far as they're concerned. China feels they have all rights to Asia and responsibility to bring Asia into, the China's, into China's reign and spread their philosophy all throughout Asia and Australia. This is why countries like Japan, Australia, and South Korea are getting really nervous and really want the United States to go out there and defend Taiwan. Because if China does go out there, this can actually cause a lot of problems for other countries that are free at this point, especially South Korea. South Korea is really nervous. And we know China is nervous because North Korea keeps dumping 
missiles. North Korea keeps dumping missiles into the Sea of Japan. The kicker is China doesn't worry about North Korea because North Korea is essentially under China anyway. All China needs to do is stabilize that government and they've automatically got a satellite government in North Korea. Finally, the plenum uses the polarization that is in the West today, especially in the United States, as a reason for the success of Chinese Marxism. In other words, race, gender, all this little crap we are arguing about right now, they're pointing at and saying that's why Marxism works. You don't have that problem in Marxism. Of course, the big Chinese Marxism or Xi Jinping thought. The problem with that thought is um, they are actually forcing Muslim Uyghurs in China into concentration camps. But Xi Jinping is putting them there because they are bad people. There's a great, there's a great interview that was on PBS, and I, I've got to find it, where they had a Chinese dissident who immigrated into the United States saying that political correctness is what tore China down. And that's what's happening in this country. It's kind of scary. Okay, um, you can visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Take a look at, at all my show notes and all the videos. Some of the videos are kind of good to look at. Also, I have a bunch of links that you can refer to. I also want to remind you, uh, listen to my video cast on, uh, on Rumble. Just type in dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and it comes out. I'm going to probably release one, another one tonight. I hope you guys have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>